Turn up the radio and sing along. It's time for another great song. This is the Great Song Podcast. Seasons greetings and welcome once again to the Great Song Podcast. I'm Rob Alley. I am JP Mosier. And we're here breaking down the greatest songs in modern music history. We're going to tell you what makes them great, why we think they're awesome, and why you should too. JP, how you doing today, man? I am doing fantastic, Rob. I just finished listening to us. I've been listening to our Great Song Podcast. I just listened to our latest episode of the day. So nothing says, let's get in the mood to do some more podcasts like listening to yourself. That's right. So it was, uh, it was fun. I enjoyed listening back to myself. You know, we're not half bad. To ourselves. I like us. Yeah. We are my favorite podcast out there. <laughs> so I like us. Do you listen to any other podcasts at all? No. No. So okay. I listen to Serial and then us. Okay. And that's it. Fair so enough. That's it. Serial's good. Now, I'm, I'm starting to, to dabble in some podcast listening just to, to see what others out there in the world it's are doing. It's a whole big world. It's a It's a ginormous... We're just one tiny little... Specklet. Yeah, just swimming in a sea of, you know... Podcasts. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Rob, why don't you tell them what song we're talking about today? Oh, boy. I am so excited about today. We got a great song. Listen, if you're not driving down the road right now, go get in your car. You're going to want to. When we start playing this song, you're going to want to be flying down the interstate. So... If you're in a residential zone, crank it. Spade it. Pedal to the metal. That's right. Just look out for children, but only just barely. Live dangerously. Encourage the bicyclist to pick up their speed because you're coming around the corner. Because we've got an all-time song, road trip song that has nothing to do with the road, but man, does it feel good with your windows down in a car. We're talking about 25 or 6 to 4 by Chicago. Take a listen. or 6 to 4 by Chicago, released June 1970. It hit number 4 on the Billboard Hot 100 and number 7 on the UK Singles Chart. It is from the album Chicago, a.k.a. Chicago 2. You want to talk about that? Sure, yeah, it's on, I'm sitting here looking at the vinyl. It's on Chicago 2. It's side 3 of that album. Um, for those of y'all that understand sides of vinyls. Their so. first, uh, at least two albums, maybe more, were double albums. Yeah, Chicago. Their it's first, really unusual. Their first album was Chicago Transit Authority, yes. which we can talk about later if you want. It's got some some other big hits. It's got Beginnings, which I think is the greatest name of a song to go on the first album. It's a good one. Beginnings, Solid. come on. I mean, it's like, here we go. Let's do this thing. Um, but this one has 25 or 624, Color My World, Um Good, good album. Um, not a lot of smash hits, but but something that that kind of got Chicago kickstarted. Yeah, uh, and this and of course this song, which is an enduring just rock classic. Uh, it's interesting that this album is this album is actually called Chicago, but came later kind of re- retroactively to be known as Chicago Two. Actually, the vinyl just says Chicago. Yeah, on the side binder, it actually says Two though. Oh, does it really? Yeah, on the side binding. It just okay. says Chicago on the front with their classic um yeah. and classic design. And uh so there that was a pattern for them doing 
just numbered albums instead of having album titles after Chicago Transit Authority it was Chicago 2, 3, 4 and so on 17 for the most part <laughs> uh, album 12 randomly was called Hot Streets but uh, other than that all their titles are um, you know um, numbers ex- uh, unless they indicate some sort of like any any other titles other than the Hot Street have um, uh, oh my gosh I'm being so confusing they indicate that the album is a departure from the norm if it's not named with a number like they did a Christmas album they did kind of a big band album and those had non-numerical names um, but for the most part Chicago albums just more so n- thematic no albums on the others like with themes yeah, if they're exactly. not numbered thank you for explaining that in a way that didn't make you sound like an <laughs> idiot robot um, it, it, but it, for me I've always thought it's confusing, like to trying to retrieve what which song came on, on what which album. number. Yeah, yeah, I'm the same way. Like I, I have to look through if I'm like looking for a specific song. I'm probably going to go to the greatest hits or yeah. Heart of Chicago. Yeah, like those will be the two that I go to because yeah. they have the majority of the exactly of the hits. It's one thing, you know, like Led Zeppelin was, you know, one through four. That's cool if you're only going to do four. like four. Yeah, that's manageable. Yeah, you can you can kind of store that away. But you know they've got like 38 albums or whatever, so it becomes at some point a little bit. Uh, you know, it's just hard to keep track of. Sure. Um, thank God for like search engines now that you can just you know oh I want to type in Apple Music or Spotify you know but good luck trying to you know what I'm saying just go through your record collection like mm-hmm. okay. This is interesting. I didn't know this was a thing until I started researching. I don't know why, but um, this uh, album uh, received three Grammy Award nominations, one for Album of the Year, one for Contemporary Vocal Group, and one for Best Album Cover. Did you know there was a Best Album Cover Grammy? Well, I don't think this would have got it. It was nominated. I don't understand how. Nominated for Best Album Cover. and uh, that's now known as best recording package. Okay. Uh, not you know necessarily album cover, but could be the tin you could, put it in or the yeah cardboard. Th- however, you creatively disperse. Exactly. So uh, let's see. I actually have the list in front of me. This was 1970. What the, beat it out? The 1970 winner. There was originally uh, it was classical and non-classical. Um, and I believe, let's see, I guess that would have been the 1971 Grammy. Uh, and it was won by B.B. King. About that. For uh, Indianola, Mississippi Seeds. So there you go. Interesting. I didn't even know, didn't even know that was a thing. Uh, this song was re-recorded. And I should say, I guess, remade, reshaped in uh, on the album Chicago 18. In the most 80s way possible. 86. It is, I mean, it is really something to behold, but not very long. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's a, if, you, if you like the original and are accustomed to the original, when you listen to the remake, the remaster, re-release, actually, it's it's completely a departure. Yeah, why don't we get just, Give a, just sampling, a few seconds just of that Just so you in. can see what we're talking about. And uh, yeah, let's, let's just take a listen real quick. I think that's about all we're going to do. I'm sorry. That's, that's, uh, love you forever, Chicago. And I'm a Jason Chef fan. I like yeah. him as a musician. I even like him as a vocalist. Yep. But no. That one, no. And you'll notice now, you know, that was 1986. Uh, if you go to hear Chicago now, that's not the version that they're playing no, in concert. No. no yeah. It didn't exactly take off. I've actually heard, I've actually seen Chicago twice, and both times, this is the high point of the show. Yeah. Without a doubt. And I've seen Peter Cetera twice, and ironically enough, 
this is the high point of his show. Oh. Because, you know, you're coming out of his, his ballad stuff, and this is the stuff that people get up and clap. Yeah. Uh, so it's a it's a powerhouse for anybody. It's kind of the one that everybody waits on. It's the where the streets have no name yeah. of Chicago's you exactly. know, discography. Yeah, it's a, and I don't know if we want to, since we listen to that, kind of segue into some other covers. Might, Might as well, because that's basically just... That's a cover. It's a bad cover version It's a cover by the original band. Yeah. yeah. It, with some, some tweaks. Yeah, you got some good covers for um, us? I've got some covers. I won't okay. say that. Uh, <laughs> so Vince Neil, I'm like, he's got one. I'm like, I'm going to hate this. It makes me cringe already. Exactly. Vocally, it kind of sucks. But Vince, Vince Neil, for those who don't know. Motley Crue. Lead singer yes. Motley Crue. Thank you for, for helping with that. But the band's pretty thick on it. Take a quick listen. Of, look up Vince Neil's version of this real quick. Just so you can hear kind of, because I'm going to touch on a couple of different covers and things I like about a couple different ones. Let's listen check it to out. just a, a really quick one. Bring it, Vince. to make fun of it yeah. and then the band hit me in the face yeah. and I was like alright Vince I'm picking up what you're putting down Yeah. so then I went off on this I'm going to cover it up so I started listening just a bunch of different covers I'm not going to listen list all the ones that I listen to somebody that's similar that's got a pretty good one live Paul Gilbert from Mr. Oh, Big I bet. dude it's like he was ranked the number four shredder on Guitar World yeah. so it's shred fest yeah. so it's pretty good so I'm not going to listen to all the good ones there's a mashup of Jonathan Colton, did you hear that? With no. him and the Beatles when I'm 64? That's funny. Check it. Just listen to see if you think it makes sense. So I, it's, it's, it's pretty close. It, it flows a little bit. Um, Let's take, a take, take a quick gander. Y'all out there, tell us what you think. Will you still need me? Will you still feed me? Ew. When I'm 60, <laughs> when I'm 64. Will you still need me? Will you still feed me? Hey, yeah, so, good, A for effort. A for effort. A for putting people in similar genres together. <laughs> um, the worst out there um, is Umphrey McGee. It's Umphrey McGee. Spell that for me. U M P H R E Y. Okay. M C G E E. Don't it, you don't have to listen to it if you want. Just trust me. If you guys want to go vomit, put on <laughs> Umphrey McGee doing it. It's terrible. Um, interesting fact about Paul Gilbert. Sorry to to go backwards. This was the first song that he learned to play on guitar. And huh. I heard an interview with him actually before he does this live. It was his first song to play, that he learned to play on guitar. And it was Slash's first song. Oh, no kidding. To learn to play on guitar. That's cool. So, um, so pretty neat there. But my favorite of all covers, I would like to hear, listen to the, for you guys to listen to this and see what you think. It's Leon, Leonid and Friends cover. Never heard of these people at all. Um, it's one of those sidebar things that you find when you're just searching deep. Yeah. Tell me what you guys think. I really, I don't know these people. This could be some guys hanging out in their garage, it looks like on the video, but it's L-E-O-N-I-D and Friends. And uh, Friends is F-R-I-E. <laughs> <laughs> Here it is. It's Sesame Street. And it might lose a little oomph after Vince Neil, but I think it's a pretty good cover. Pretty true to the original for a bunch of guys in their garage. Waiting for the break of day. So we don't have to listen to the whole thing, but that's yeah, that enough for you to know. That's a pretty good cover. It's just, yeah, a nice updated sounding. Yes. You know what I mean? And so that led me to believe here is what... I, this is a good song 
with great chords, but the things that make it special is Peter Cetera's vocals. Mm. Like, that's what makes it special, because all the covers, the chords are going to be the same. Yeah. Um, maybe some a little thicker, some a little crappier. Yeah. But the thing that I think sets it apart is vocally on this song. Interesting. Um, which is, for a rock song, I would call this a rock song. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Um, which, Peter Cetera is mostly known for his ballads, uh-huh. and I think it's so neat that he steps... This is his first. This is the first song he sang of Chicago. It's the first yeah. one that he did where he's the front man. Yeah. And it's a big, thick-sounding song yeah. um, in his upper register. So I thought that was kind of neat. Yeah, he has a unique voice. I don't really know how to describe Peter Cetera's voice, um, but you know it when you hear it. Great range. Great oh, range. Yeah. Fantastic. High high tenor uh, range. But you know, it's a good point that you bring up because like that one that you just heard... If until the vocals come in, you would think, oh, Chicago just re-recorded yeah. this. You know what I mean? That's basically it's that faithful, you know, and the horns are solid. You know, Chicago is has always had a very outstanding horn section as part of their sound. And they've got one of those sort of um th- I mean, they're a rock band, but they also have, you know, three to five piece horn section always. Uh and it's integral to the, you know, to their sound always. Um but yeah, his his voice is, you know, when the vocals come in, you're like, oh, that guy's good. Mm-hmm. You know, that guy's good. I got solid. But he's but not Peter Cetera. He's not Peter Cetera. Peter Cetera was um, a, a voice that was really hard to replace. And yet somehow when he left the band in 84, 85, 86 was the first album okay. they did without him. They, they somehow came to mm-hmm. Jason Sheff. Uh, which I'm sure we'll talk about later in Meet the Band. But Jason Sheff, their second vocalist, came in and played bass and filled in very admirably for Satara's voice. If you didn't really know that Satara had left, you might not even realize that it's a different guy. It's similar. Yeah, and he was with him until earlier this year. Mm -hmm. He recently departed from the band. Last year, last year. Oh, was it last year? Okay, Um, departed from the band. Their bass player now looks like Owen Wilson. (laughs) <laughs> wow. Oh, wow. Um, so he was with him for 30 years. He was with him for way longer than Peter Cetera was. Uh, but it's still Cetera's voice that that sort of is their iconic, you know, it's the... it's the. And that's what you hear on the radio. If you listen to the radio of Chicago song, it's going to be Peter Cetera. Yeah. It's not going to be... Pretty much. I mean, yeah, it's true. Um, so very interesting. But you're right. He's got one of those iconic voices that's just hard to... You know it. As soon as you hear it, it's like Steve Perry... You yeah. know what I mean? And somehow they kind of pulled off the same thing. Yeah. They, uh, you That's know, they found a like replacement that. who, if, if you just close your eyes and you just didn't know that they had replaced him, uh, with, uh, can you think of the guys? Ar- Arnell Pineda. Arnell Pineda. Yes. Um, you, you could go, oh, that's him. You know, like if you just didn't know. Yeah. So, um, but you're right. It may just be the vocals that really sets this apart from being, you know, cause you can disguise, you can disguise I can get a guitar tone. Sure. I can get a horn sound. If I've got a sound like exactly trumpet, if I've got a cooking horn section, you won't know that it's not them. Sure. You know? Um, so is that a good segue into meet the band or chord theory? Where do you want to go with this? No, let's go ahead. Let's go ahead and meet the band. Let's Let's meet meet Chicago. Okay. Hey, let's meet the band. It's time to meet the band. Hey mama, let's meet the band. Let's all meet the Let's meet the band Chicago. Um, since we're just coming off talking about Peter Cetera, we'll start with him. Um, bass and lead vocals on this, and he did 17 albums with Chicago and eight solo albums. Um, most notably with Chicago, uh, he's the lead vocalist on You're the Inspiration, Hard to Say I'm Sorry. The first ballad he ever did with them was Baby What a Big Surprise. Mm-hmm. Um, also does question, uh, question 67 and 68. He's he's part on that, that, that multiple vocalists on that as a as a friend which was the first album um that they did um glory of love his yeah. a big hit for for karate from kid. the karate kid soundtrack is I, that karate kid one or two two it's two right and okay. i've got a, a cool follow-up story. Well, we'll jump to that i'll jump to that story now so it was actually written for rocky four but sylvester stallone hated it wow. and this story may sound familiar because on a previous podcast the song for karate kid one the You're the Best was also written for Rocky, 
and he hated that one too. Man. Sly vetoed both of those. Wow. And these songs went on to be huge for the Karate, for the karate Kid. Karate Kid series. And so it's Daniel LaRusso gets all of Rocky's leftovers. Yeah, he gets and, Rocky, Rocky's sloppy seconds. And makes it monstrosity. Yeah. So in a fictional battle, who wins, Daniel LaRusso or Rocky? Oh, Rocky destroys. Rocky beats the snot out of him. Yeah. <laughs> Rocky, right. Rocky destroys that punk. He tries to crane kick him, and he <laughs> takes it to the face. Yeah. Like, he doesn't block it. He no. takes it mm-hmm. with his nose. Yeah. And then... He probably takes several. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. Crane kicks to the face. He does the little praying thing to his throat. Yeah. And he remembers all of his training. Yes. And wipes the blood off and comes back and just beats the snot out yeah. of the karate. That's karate. right. There's no easy wins for Rocky. Like, there's no such yeah. thing as, like, you know. He doesn't win in the first round. Yeah. He's going to sell it at least and make it look good. Yeah. He's going to come up with a cut. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, he's coming out with the victory. Yeah. Uh, Peter Cetera sang with a lot of people. Obviously, Glory of Love, we just talked about. Next Time I Fall also came out around that same time with Amy Grant. Pretty big hit for him. He sang back. Uh, he was the back one of the backup vocalists on "My Life" by Billy Joel. Don't oh, really? He, he's he's in the he's in the the background of that. That's cool. He's a backing vocalist for that. Um, he left Chicago to kind of. He said he wanted to do his. He wanted to do Phil Collins thing. Like he wanted to do like Phil Collins did with Genesis, where he was allowed to do solo stuff but still be part of the band. Um, so that's when he went and did his solo stuff. He also did a song called "After All" with Cher. Um, Gearwise played a Dan Electro shorthorn for the majority of his early years, uh, and then a Hofner. Um, and then in '63, when he started with Chicago pretty much full time, he switched over to the Fender Precision Bass and played it all through his uh, Chicago years. That was his. If you see a video of him, he's probably playing a Fender P bass. That's his 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 uh, acts of choice. Um, his daughter, Senna, actually lives here in Nashville, and she was in the Josh Turner music video, Would You Go With Me? <laughs> so, there you go. Peter Cetera on uh, bass and lead vocals. On guitar, Terry Kath. Um, vocalist kind of similar to Ray Charles. I would That's who he gets compared okay. to a lot. Really soulful voice. Um, played a Fender Telecaster with the Humbucker Pickup, which is kind of a neat little rendition of his guitar. And he started the Pig Nose Amplifier Company. Really? Yep, he started it. That's his. Uh, that's his company. Interesting. Um, those of y'all have ever played through a pig nose or heard this, definitely a, distinct sound. Yeah, it's a unique little amp, and uh, that's interesting. Do you know what he? Do you happen to know what he was using on this particular song? I, I don't. Okay. Um, I, I. Sorry, I started gear and then I don't yeah, know yeah, what yeah. he played through on this. I that's probably right. should have because it's it's definitely it's its own sound. He was Jimi Hendrix's favorite guitar player. Um, Hendrix was a huge Terry Kath fan. Okay, so I feel like I came across a, a, a quote attributed to Jimi Hendrix. It, this is according to Guitar World magazine. Okay. Um, that Jimi Hendrix referred to, to Terry Kath, Chicago's guitar player, sure. as, quote, the best guitar player in the universe. Um, it, I feel like that's a story that gets said... About everybody? About so many guitarists. Dude, should we use the... I didn't have this planned. Should we use the Phil Keggy interview? Because I asked him about this. Yes. I, let's take a pause break here. You guys hang tight. I actually have seen Phil Keggy 7,223 times, but no, I've seen him a lot. And on the last time I saw him, I was like, okay, Phil, I got to ask you a question. about." And there's some... There's some... He goes off on a pretty neat little tangent, but the myth is... Phil Keggy, for those of y'all that don't know him, great guitar player. And the myth out there is somebody asked Jimi Hendrix what it felt like to be the best guitar player ever. And he says, I don't know, ask Phil Keggy. Right. Because he and Glass Harp were playing in um, a similar, in a, the same ven- venue. It's the, how am I forgetting it? I'll think of the venue where they played together. But Phil Keggy was the guitar player for Glass Harp. So there's this myth that Jimi Hendrix says, I don't know what it feels like to be the best guitar player. Ask Phil Keggy. So I asked Phil Keggy that question um, about that. Let me go find it. Yeah, let's take a listen. Hang tight. I want to find it. You know the whole rumor about Hendrix. They asked him what it felt like to be the best guitar player in the world. He said, I don't know. Ask Phil Keggy. So if somebody asked you what does it feel like to be the best guitar player in the world, you would say, I don't know. Ask who? Anybody else. Oh, come on. (laughs) Honestly, no. There are so many brilliant musicians. You can't really compare. It's unfair. It's like fruits and vegetables, and it's okay. like it's like um, cuisine. You know, you just can't do that. You know, it's like everybody has something unique to offer. 
Okay, so we found the video. Um, so what we're going to do is we're going to post some bonus content. So if you want to watch the video, you can actually see the whole video, um, and we'll subtitle everything so you can read along um, of, uh, of the interview with, with me and Phil Keggy at Great Song Pod on, on Twitter. Twitter. Yeah, find us at Great Song Pod on Twitter. Um, and what we'll actually do is we'll post, there's more to that clip than we just played you. We'll post the rest of it. On Twitter, we'll post the whole thing on Twitter uh, versus just his answer to that specific question. Yeah, it's a it's about a two minute thing. He goes off and talks about other artists that are influential yeah. and people he would play with. So really, really neat. Cool stuff from Phil Keggy. There. Um, so yeah, so back to Terry Kath, who we are talking about at hand, the guitar player for Chicago. because yeah. we're still in the Meet the Band section. Um, really, problems with drugs, alcohol, and guns. So those are three things that you don't don't mix together. Um, in 1978, he actually shot himself in the head. Um, wow. killed, killed himself. Yeah, he was uh, he was playing with with guns and just playing around and pulled the trigger on one nothing. And his his buddy was like, "Man, don't don't do that." And he showed the clip on another gun. He's like, "Man, the clip's empty," and did it again. But there was one in the chamber. Oh. There was a round in the chamber, and and game over for for Terry Kath. Um, but no lessons. Great guitar player. I'm not talking about guns, but guitar player. No lessons. Um, just like to jam. Uh, it was in a band uh, called Jimmy Ford and the Executives with the drummer Danny Serafin, um, and they were actually fired from that band. So he joined a cover band with uh, Lee, who's the trumpet player that we'll talk about in a minute, and they were called the Missing Links, and then they changed their name to the Big Thing, and then they added Peter Cetera and became Chicago. So he's uh, most known for being the the band leader and probably the best soloist, they said. Um, he's probably the best soloist of the whole group. He sang the lead on uh, Color My World. Got a neat Color My World story to try to bring it back to happiness. Yeah. Since we had a little downer <laughs> section in there on Terry Cow. So the first time my parents met, um, my dad sat down at the piano and my mom was on the piano bench beside him. And my dad, who's not a great piano player, love you, dad. He knows a few songs, but he knows his chords, played Color My World by Chicago. Aww. And that became my parents' song. And they met as that was the first interaction they had was my dad sitting down at a piano and playing that song, really? Color My World. Which So was he like, was he playing it like, was he macking on your mom? I, I, it? I, I it's their moment, or so I've just, not really been like, hey, did you think, hey, this lady's hot, this girl, like, I'm right. trying to make my move, or was this just his comfort zone? I don't know, because yeah. he, if you sit, if he sits down now, he can play it, yeah. but if you hang out with my dad, he's not going to be like, you have a piano sitting around? Right. Because I want to play some songs. Yeah. He knows like nine uh -huh. songs, um, but this is one played, and from then on, him and my mom uh, hit it off. And so. Interesting. If you, had to, if you had to play one song oh. to impress a girl. Oh, I'm going right? to do Walking in Memphis. That, that's my song. That's not okay. my impress song, but that's my sit down at a piano song. Sit down a piano song. For yeah. those of y'all that haven't heard our Walking in Memphis episode, hey, was, go back in the archives. Started man. this thing. There's good stuff back there. That's the that's the one that started it all. The one line that started this whole thing is, uh, "Are you a Christian child?" And I said, "Ma'am, I am tonight." Full circle. That's what started this whole podcast. Um, yeah, I think if I was going to sit down and play one song to impress a girl, uh, it'd probably be "Mother" by Danzig. <laughs> 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 Amazing. Yeah. And there he is. <laughs> Thank you, Crystal, for powering through and hanging with him. She um, puts up with so much, you guys. Speaking of keyboards, let's jump to the keyboard player. Let's do it. Uh, Robert Lamb, Keys and Vocals. His first band, this is kind of neat. I didn't know this before I started doing this research. His first band was him and Carl Wilson of the Beach Boys. And Jerry Beckley of America. Wow. So how's that for a power trio no kidding. that never did anything? Yeah. Like this is just this little little band that nothing ever came of it, but all three of them went off and had massive careers with massive bands. Um, and that's that's a pretty neat little thing that I didn't know. Um, early gear, he played a Hammond organ and a Wurlitzer electric piano for years. And then in seventy two he added the Fender Rhodes to his to his repertoire of stuff that he, he used with Chicago. And then a Moog, and then a Mellotron, and now he only plays a motif, a Yamaha motif. Because it's got... Because it has everything. Get one it, keyboard that'll do it. Yeah, yeah. so that, that's all he has. Um, that's all he ever uses. He doesn't move from his position. Like, he's the keyboard player, and he plays that. Yeah, and something that we should mention, like, Chicago is out there 
right now touring. Oh, yeah. You could find Chicago playing somewhere tonight. You know what yeah, I mean? I like, saw them last month. Like, yeah. I literally saw them last month. And they start, they've been playing for 50, 60 years. Is that right? They started well, in the early 60s. 60s so, yeah. yeah. Let's do they've some been, math. They've been playing for 60 years. Like, that's, that's, that's a crazy long time. to have a band that and, and still has several founding members. At, sure. At least two, right? Uh, oh, there's, well, it's. Pankow and. Robert Lamb. And Lamb. And Lee. Uh, okay. Walt, he, so all, three. three. I, and I'm not sure if, if Walter, all, I don't know if all the horn section is is original. I don't think they're all original. Maybe but two, I, at least but, two of them. But a lot, uh, at, at the very least, most three of them have been around a long time. Sure. Three people have been playing since the early 60s with this group. That's insane. That's crazy. But that's, you know, that's why they have 18 billion albums. That's right. You know, that's why they're numbered. A confusing so. back catalog. Um, drummer Danny Serafin. Um, he wrote all the awful Chicago songs. So all the ones that you've never heard. He still got paid for it. He still got paid for it. Lowdown, um, Air, of course, Prelude to Air. Of course. Devil's Sweet, Street Player. Uh, I don't know or really am fond of any of those particular tunes. Um, but Danny wrote them, and he's getting paid. So um, he's in the top 100 drummers of all time. Do you think he is in the top 100 drummers of all time? When you think of top drummers, do you think of Chicago drummer? I, I mean, I guess a hundred's a lot. Yeah, a hundred's kind of a lot, but I don't know. I mean, he's got some great moments, you know what I mean? So I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know that if I were listening a hundred drummers that I would get there, but that's probably a me problem. <laughs> and uh, gear-wise, since I've tried to touch on gear for everybody, uh, DW Drums, Zildjian Cymbals, Mark Drumsticks, and Remo Heads. And I'm like, okay, this guy's every other drummer yeah like you know there's nothing right fancy it's like yeah if the only thing if he'd have played a pearl kit that right. would have been the most common but everything yeah. else he's just your common drummer yeah. like and he just found a good band heck yeah um the three horn players i'm gonna say all three of their names but there is nothing individual about all of them like they're a trio of horn like they're the horn section they're just cooking horn section and they are known for being with chicago you know if they've been playing like you said since the 60s it's not like they've ventured off and done all kinds of things so i'm going to name all three of them and then i just tried to find one thing about each of them just that's kind of weird so you got um walter parasader or parasider perhaps on sax lee lofnane on trumpet and james pankow on trombone um, Walter has a killer sax solo in Just You and Me. It's pretty good. You want to check that out? We've played enough clippings and snippets, so we won't digress you there. Lee, the trumpet player, also plays the flugelhorn on the Bee Gees Too Much Heaven. Really? So there you go. No, Thank you for stopping by, Mr. Gibb. Mr. Gibb. Mr. Mr. Gibb, we're talking about Chicago. <laughs> Uh, wait, wait, you got to get to the last line. To, okay. You kind of sounded like it's Aaron Neville Aaron, yeah. met. It's true. Met. I'm waiting in line. Oh, that's good. That's, that I do a much better Aaron Neville. Much better. Yeah. All you need is the mole. You Aaron. know he's done that song. It's too oh, close. Sure. It's too close to him. That's what he karaoke's. If he goes in, he's like, <laughs> yeah. I'm going to do this one. They're like, oh, isn't they, that your song? They just queue it up. When they see Aaron Neville walk in the that's door right. at the karaoke bar, they just queue up too much heaven. That's right. And then uh, and then James Pankow sings Don't Know Much. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, who is the trombone player? James Pankow. James Pankow. His brother, John Pankow, was on the TV show Mad About You. Interesting. So there you go. So there's the three horn section. There's Meet the Band of Chicago. James Pankow, he, he is fun to watch. Yes. Like, Good. he is just a ball of energy at 70 years old sure. or, or more. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, I guess it's 50 years they've been playing at Chicago. Uh, they've, and he's just... I mean, he's up there doing a jazzercise video. You know sure. what I'm saying? He's yeah. like... He wears wristbands. Like, yeah. he, he wears yeah, wristbands. He, yeah. Which I do, too. That's okay. Yeah. I ain't, I ain't knocking. And he writes a lot of the horn parts. Mm-hmm. He, you know, he's sort of the mastermind of the horn section, I think. Um, and that's one thing that is just a, a hallmark of this band is their horn parts are stellar. Yes. Like, the, Chicago, to me, is kind of the pinnacle of how you do a horn section in a pop song context. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Now, you... I mean... Earth, Wind, and Fire. Uh, Tower you Power. Know, yeah, like, every, there have been a lot of people that done it. But for me, uh, Chicago is the peak. And uh, They said in the 70s they were known as just, we're the rock band with the horns. Yeah. Like, that's what they were, you know. Yeah. And I think it's cool because he's a trombone player, 
And usually trombones get the least love, sure. you know, in that kind of stuff. Sax and trumpet are going to be your soloist. Yeah. So trombone kind of is the guy in the yeah. back. But, but he's like driving the bus. Yep. You know what I That's mean? With great. the trombone, which I think is so cool. Uh, Shouts out to Brian Shaw, by the way, my favorite trombonist on earth. Uh, we used to play together in jazz band in college and I, I would play drums at the time. And he was always my favorite soloist. Uh, Cause he was just very rhythmic and did a lot of stuff that I could pick up on. So super tasty. Shout out to Brian Shaw out there. If you're listening, then I'm going to give a shout are. out to my favorite trombone player. <laughs> who is my dentist, Dr. Whoa. Tom Oakley. And let me tell you why you rock Tom, because in high school basketball, he would bring his trombone to the stands and we didn't have a band, small single A school, but he sure as heck rocked the womp, 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 womp. Well, and brought the brought the house just down. as a fan, just as a fan, That's dad amazing. of a guy that sat the bench, maybe played three <laughs> minutes all year. Uh-huh. Actually, when we signed the uh, team little thing, when we went like state, we had, kind of he drew a picture of himself sitting on the bench, <laughs> holding up a number one. T.J. Oakley, you're a good dude, also a good drummer. Drummer in my first band. So. That's awesome. Tom Oakley, great trombone player. Son, great drummer. There That's hilarious. That's Shout great. out to Tom and T.J. He was the pet band. He was the pet band. It was a one-man pet band. Yeah. Like, he really just signed his son up for basketball so, so he, he could play. So he could play his trouble. Yeah. yeah, that's awesome. That's, no, he's, he's great. Um, where, where are we going from this? I got some stuff. You got... Uh, is that... You, you good that's on band? Meet the Band. Okay. They've had some different lineups, but I just yeah. wanted to do the band from this album. Yeah. So I went off the inner liner Perfect. notes, and I just went... Everybody that's on here, I talked about. Yes. So. Okay, great. Well, then why don't we go back a little bit... Um, to the song, um, because the big the question around this song, until you start doing the research, is what's it about? And it's sure. the big Meaning. you know yeah that's good. Um, and so the the what what does that mean? It's such a weird title twenty five or six to four, and it's been interpreted as twenty five or six. Two, the number two, four, and does that have a meaning? What do all these, is this the matrix? Is this the <laughs> omega code? You know, what are we dealing with here? Wow, <laughs> omega code. <laughs> yes. Um, so like, uh, you know, what is this? And so people, I, I don't know why, I don't know if it's just a product of the times or what, but but people's first reaction is always drugs. It's about drugs. It's about drugs, man. This is about heroin or this is about because, uh, you know, if you... If you did LSD, LSD the tripping. pill that you would take to to you know to come down or whatever had a had six two four printed on the thing and you know whatever all this stuff is out there like everybody it's about drugs it's about drugs it's about drugs eighteen different stories about how and why it's about drugs um, but the best thing to always do is ask the person that wrote it ask the writer there you so, go so <laughs> Robert Lamb the guy that wrote this song says this. It's about trying to write a song in the middle of the night, in the middle of the night. And he looked down at his watch and uh, it's, it's the title refers to the time of day, either three thirty five AM, which is 25 to four or three thirty four AM, which is 26 to four. So it's like, you know, it's about 25 or six to four. That's what it, it's. That's it's as simple as that. And then knowing that, listen to the song again and and everything falls into place. And I've got a thing to go above it. The first hit off their first album was Does, Does anybody, anybody really know what time it is? Yeah. Which is like, come on. Ta-da. Here's your answer. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, he said, uh, I was living with a bunch of hippies up above Sunset Strip. One of the advantages of this, of this particular house was that it was in the Hollywood Hills and I could look out over the city late at night. I wanted to try to describe the process of writing the song that I was writing. So, waiting for the break of day, searching for something to say, flashing lights against the sky, there was a neon sign across the city. That song came from the, from the fact that it was 25 or 6 to 4 a.m. in the morning when I looked at my watch. I was just looking for a line to finish the chorus. It's that simple, guys. That's awesome. It's not about drugs. It's, it's just literally, it's, it's just a weird way to say, it's, you know what I'm saying? It's a weird way it's to express the time. Yeah. <laughs> it's late. Yeah. So that's it. It's that, it's that simple. It's a song about writing a song, which I'm a big sucker for anyway. I've said that on the podcast. I love songs that are about the process of writing songs. Sure. Um, so I, when, I, when I realized that, I was like, oh, that's great. I just, you know. My, love f- my favorite line in the whole song is the line immediately before the core, or the, before the tag, the sitting cross-legged on the floor. Yeah. I love that line because I feel like it, 
I can visualize him now that I know that story sitting there yeah, on the floor. Exactly. Sitting cross like he's on a, a rug. Yeah. You know, he's sitting on a rug. Yeah. And he's, he's his, got his pen and yeah. his classical his guitar, probably. Yeah. Or something. yeah, Moog. He's got or he's got his Fender Rhodes, I guess, yeah. or what he's, he's Hammond, it's not sitting there. Yeah. But yeah, he's on the floor and he writes this song. Yeah, so I think that's that's pretty cool. Have you ever heard anybody anybody else say sitting cross legged? Legged? Everybody says legged, legged, right? It fits better in this song to say legged, but I've never heard anybody else say legged or like, uh, you know. Well, peg le- leg, no. You don't say peg. Pe- yeah, well, I don't, I don't know. Would you describe a pirate as peg legged? I don't think you would say it either way, but like, I don't know. Just, That's it's pretty neat. I, yeah. Speaking of cross-legged on the floor, have you ever been to one of those Indian restaurants where they have the table where you actually sit down where it looks like you're sitting Indian style, but the table like comes up to your chest? There's one in Chattanooga. You, where your legs kind of go your underneath? legs go under the table, yeah, yeah, but yeah. you're in a chair and it looks yeah. like you're I think those are the neatest things. Oh, yeah, I'm not a huge Indian food fan, but great. I am. You like Indian Big food? Big fan of the Indian food, yeah. Big fan. Um, yeah. Uh, have you ever heard somebody say like that person's bow-legged? As opposed bow-legged. to bow-legged. Bow-legged. I don't know. I just think this is the only time I've ever heard say. But it totally works. Sitting cross-legged on the floor. If you add another syllable works. in there, it throws no. off the Sitting rhythm. Sitting cross-legged on the floor. No, no thanks. No. Yeah. I'll, I'll change the song now. Um, let's talk a little bit about the riff to the song. And just a, just a little bit of the theory. Not really. We're just going to kind of outline it. But uh, we're in the key of A minor here, mm-hmm. essentially. Um, and this is a, a riff that you've probably heard in different forms in a handful of other songs, a, a lot of other songs has become very familiar. Um, but we're in a, so it's the, if you're just talking bass notes here, cause it's just a unison riff, really uh, it's goes a G F sharp F E a right. So if you're thinking in, in, if you're thinking of a as the one, it's going to go one flat seven, six flat six five right um and uh that's that pattern is going to be really familiar um it was it was that pattern was actually used uh previously uh by led zeppelin uh in a song called babe i'm gonna leave you uh and i'll play you just a little bit of that so you can hear that here is babe i'm gonna leave you by led zeppelin Okay, we got that. Uh, and uh, it's been used in uh, While My Guitar Gently Weeps by the Beatles. Uh, here is that. So this is not an unfamiliar pattern. Um, another song that I really like uh, that uses this progression in a different way uh, is the song Here by Alessia Cara. Um, and I, is it Alessia or Alicia? It's A-L-L-E-S-I-A. I love the song Alessia. in general. I say, I Alessia. say Alessia. I think it's Alessia. Let's call um, it something else. This song is so cool. It just feels amazing. I like the, the, the message of the song. Uh, but it also, it uses this same progression. This one, flat six, six, flat six, uh, five, but it's uh, actually it doesn't go to the it doesn't go to the five. I just bah, 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 and then just goes straight up. Um, but it starts on the third chord of this progression, so it starts on what is a six diminished chord. If you're if you're actually chording it out, um, so instead of going bah, 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 it starts on the bah, 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 bah. That's the progression. It starts on the six, six flat. Which is the second one. chord you would normally hear. Yeah, it's the third the third chord that you would normally hear. So let me play it. Okay. Let me play a little bit of it and hear it. If you and if your your ear is so used to hearing this pattern start on what would be the one, um, that it's it kind of throws you off as to where where am I in the chord progression because the lyric can feel out of place if you're if you're you know, it just kind of anyway. Here it is. Check this out. This is so cool. Guess for now you've got the last laugh. I'm sorry if I seem uninterested. No, I'm not listening. No, I'm indifferent. Truly, I ain't got no business here. But since 
that that pattern progresses through the whole song. But amazing song to begin with. But the fact that they, what puts it over the top for me is the fact that they use that progression that everybody knows, but started it in the middle of it instead of at the beginning of it. Really creative uh, use of that progression. I feel like probably in the writing room, they started with, and then somehow it got shifted. You know what I'm saying? Maybe they really like, liked a lyric that started in the middle and they're like, oh, we should start with that. Yeah, and what if like, we just started with that is, pattern yeah. and it, it just sets the whole song off. I think it's so cool. Um, kind of sets you on edge starting with that diminished chord too. I, I, I just really, really like that. Big fan of that song. Um, also, uh, Brain Stew by, uh, by Green Day is basically literally the same riff uh, just played with fewer strokes uh, and uh, with a halftime drum groove. Check it out. Having trouble trying to sleep. I'm counting shit, but running out. Yeah. Oh, my own, here here I I go. Go. Yeah. Uh Brain Stew, cool song too. I like that one a lot. Um, same progression. It's almost the same thing, just halftime and with just banana. Dana. Yeah, very cool. Um so, uh, yeah, you got any other big, big things you need to talk about on this song? I have a couple of side conversations to have on it, uh, but I want to make sure we've got the meat of, of the song covered. I guess that's uh, the main thing on the song itself. I was mm-hmm. going to talk a little bit about the times I've seen them. I wanted to tell, tell one story about the last time I saw them. Chicago, we know that you're out there doing whatever you want to do because of the first 14 songs, the first 14, I knew two. Um, and I consider myself a fairly big Chicago fan. So I'm going to roll you guys through just, I'm going to bullet point these real quick and tell me if there's any hits in there that I just missed that I haven't gone back in here. See if they're like, oh man, you've got to listen to, how do you not like this one? So this is what they did. Not this what is you... their set. No, okay. this is their set. I'm going to start with song two because song one was make me smile. Okay. So everybody pretty knows make me smile. Okay. So here we go. Song two, so much to say, so much to give. Not the Dave Matthews song. Song <laughs> three, anxiety's moments. Song four, West Virginia Fantasies. Song five, Color My World. I know, okay. Song six, To Be Free. Song seven, Now More Than Ever. Song eight, In the Country. Song nine, Wake Up Sunshine. Song 10, Fancy Colors. Song 11, Memories of Love. Song 12, Where Do We Go From Here? Song 13, The Most Fitting Song Title for the Worst First Set. (laughs) It Better End Soon. Come on. Are you kidding me, Chicago? When I come see you, I don't want to see that set list. Uh. So there were people literally booing. One guy came back. I was in the lawn because I buy cheap tickets. Sorry for those of y'all that sit good. I'm here to hear the music. I don't care where you put me. And one guy walked through the entire lawn yelling, are y'all awake? Is everybody still awake? (laughs) One guy behind me stood up and verbally verbally cupped his hands and yelled, play something we know. Play something we know. (laughs) And being an outdoor show, a plane flew over amidst the booze and it carried the booze. With such great impact. So it's wow. like, boo, <laughs> And Chicago, about song 11, probably right after Fancy Colors, they're like, here's another one y'all probably aren't as familiar with, but they could see they were losing the crowd. Wow. So, huge Chicago fan, seen them twice. Rob has a great story about when he's yeah. seen them and how great they were. Yeah, I saw I, them the year before. I, sure, I, and or, I did too, and it was much better. Yeah, it was, you know, now I'm not, I'm not as versed in Chicago. I know the, like... 80s hits, mm-hmm. and I know a few of the classic sure. hits, and that's about it. I haven't listened to the classic albums much, um, but, you know, so I, I knew, like, they're going to play some stuff I don't know, sure. you know what I mean? But they played a ton of stuff that I did, and it's, you know, it's great, but... This show started at, it was, there was two bands, and before them was Ario Speedwagon, who killed it, um, you know, they did hit after hit after hit, and so, you know, you've got this age of crowd comes yeah. to see Ario Speedwagon in Chicago, Yeah, and when this age of crowd doesn't know your stuff, you're going to lose them. True. I mean, kids you'll lose too, but they're there to have fun and drink and whatnot, but when you lose somebody in their 50s and 60s, they're literally falling asleep <laughs> in the lawn, like snoozing audibly in the lawn. <laughs> so, Chicago, you're great, and this... I'll tie back into you guys. I give you props because you do what you want. 
Yeah. You're like, we've done it, whatever. We're going to play our show. If you like it, great. If you're not sold on Wake Up Sunshine, yeah. too bad. Right. They're like, this is our, what, 51st year of yeah. touring. Forget, we're going to do whatever we yeah. want. And if nobody comes, then maybe we'll stop touring or whatever. Sure. But uh, th- this leads me into an interesting conversation. I read an article with an interview with Billy Joel last week. Billy Joel, as you know, is one of our favorite artists. Absolutely. If you've been listening to the podcast. Uh, Piano Man, you can go back and listen to the Piano Man episode from season one in the archives. Listen to My Life featuring Peter Cetera on background vocals. There you there. go. Um, but we've lamented the fact that Billy Joel has not released a new album since 1993. Uh, sto- um, uh, River, River of Dreams. Dreams came out in 1993, and it was his last hurrah for, for pop music, and he hasn't done anything in pop music since. And um, and so, I, you know, we, we talked about, I said, you know, when he dies, though, the amount of music that is going to be released is just going to be ungodly. Sure. Because you can't just turn that off. Sure. You know what I mean? If you write as as uh, as proficiently, you know, as he did, if, and and Christy Brinkley's going to get paid. Yeah, so paid. <laughs> Um, and, and he, you know, he didn't just write well, but he wrote a lot. Um, and so you can't just turn that off. So I read this interview with him literally last week and he was talking about two things. He was talking about one, the fact that I haven't put out a new album since in 25 years, uh, means that I could just, I just play the hits. I don't have a new record that mm-hmm. I'm trying to push, push in yep. concert. So I don't have the pressure of, you know, playing, you know, records that are, past my prime, just trying to sell albums and, you know, promote the album that I'm touring off of. Sure. I just play the hits and people love it. You know, I play the hits for two and a half hours and people go home happy. Yes. Um, and, um, and so he sees that as a positive. Absolutely. We're like, please put out m- new music. And he's like, well, then you wouldn't have as much fun at my concerts mm-hmm. if I did, because I'd be playing stuff that nobody cares about because they're waiting to hear scenes from an Italian restaurant. Yeah. Um, but, um, the well, other she, thing that he said, go ahead. I was going to say, well, Chicago did the complete opposite. Yeah. They're they, like, we got all these hits. We don't care. Yeah, we're going to play the B side of, yeah, of know, everything. Of everything. Yeah. yeah. Here's the stuff that you'd flip over. Yeah. So the other part of this interview with Billy Joel that broke my heart, you're going to die. No, stop. This broke my heart. He said, they said, you know, they asked him, do you have music, you know, unreleased music? He said, tons of it. Absolute tons of it. But it's all up here. What? Pointed to his head and said, it's all in my head. None of it is written down. None of it is tracked. On a cassette, freaking Fostex It dies with me. Dude. Billy Joel, come on, man. Do us, throw us a bone. Come on. Don't, yeah. don't be like that. Put it that. somewhere. Yeah. Don't tell, you can tell three people yeah. where it is. Like, it's in this vault. Lock it up like Prince did. That's right. And let them fight over Tom it when Petty's you're gone. Tom Petty's doing something similar now, you know, that they found his family's getting, anyway. Just put it out there, please. Yeah. Set up your great grandchildren. Exactly. You know what I mean? For the foundation. It Send it to the Great Song Podcast. Absolutely. And we'll just release a song each week. Yeah. We'll block off the entire 2029 20, year. I actually live past that. In the year 2040, <laughs> when we're still going strong and you're tired, yeah. send it to us. Send, yes. And we'll just start dropping them. That's right. And we'll just call it the Billy Joel's Great Song Podcast. Absolutely. And we'll just do a different new Billy Joel uh, unearthed song every week oh man it makes me so sad for real like seriously because i've just been holding on to that this whole time that like okay but when he finally does decide to release all this music he's been writing it's gonna be christmas nah didn't happen not happening according to him um so that that really broke my heart a uh, couple more notes on uh on 25 or 64 okay. before we uh before we wrap it up here uh guitar world magazine mm-hmm. uh listed this song as one of the greatest uh, solos, guitar solos that use a wah pedal. Okay. Okay. And for those who, who don't know, don't play guitar. A wah pedal is a pedal that goes rocks back and forth and it sweeps. Uh, it uses, it uses a filter to sweep across a frequency range that accents high frequencies. And then as you push it down, it goes to low frequencies and vice versa. Um, and it gives you that kind of wow, 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 you know, sound when you're playing. So part of this solo is played through one of those wah pedals kind of originated in the sixties. Um, and, um, really and, predominant in like voodoo child. Yeah, exactly. That, so, you know, you know, the sound of a wall when you hear it, even that like shaft, waka chicka, waka yeah. chicka, waka chicka, you know, that kind of little stuff. puppy dog. Yeah, absolutely. By Ali Mosier. <laughs> um, so this was listed as number 22, uh, on the list of greatest wah solos. Do you want to hear the top 10? Sure. All right. I'll just go through them. Won't, won't talk about, about them much. Number 10, surfing with the alien by Joe Satriani. Fetch, there we go. Okay. 
Um, I would go with Summer Song over Surfing with the Alien, but I get it. Surfing with the Alien's iconic. Uh, number nine, Turn Up the Night by Black Sabbath. Number eight, Telephone Song by the Vaughn Brothers. Uh, that would be Stevie? Stevie and Jimmy, Telephone Song. Uh, number seven, Bad Horsey by Steve oh, Vai. Oh, Steve Vai, there we if go. If you've never heard Bad Horsey yeah. by Steve Vai, take That's a listen. Good. It's very cool. It, it goes beyond just playing with a wah. It's to weird. Steve Vai's a weird awesome. dude, and so he's like imitating a horse with this, you know, That's with this wah pedal. Um, and it's the only song on this list to have a wah pedal named after it. He's got horsey, his own yeah. bad horsey wah. Uh, number six, Even Flow by Pearl Jam. That would be Mike McCready. Um, and he just said, that's me trying to be um, Stevie Ray Vaughan. Sure. That's, you know. um, number five, A New Level by Dimebag Daryl on Pantera. Pantera. Um, number four, here we go. Number four, Enter Sandman. Metallica. Okay. Kirk Hammett. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, I don't love that solo. The, the, I, think I would think of the riff is more iconic than the solo. Than the solo part yeah. of, I mean, yeah. every, uh, it's got its moments, but it's all right. Okay. Uh, you want to take a stab at any of the top three? Is Voodoo Child in the top three? Voodoo Child's number one. Okay. Voodoo cool. Child's Slight Return by Jimi Hendrix. Think old school and then eighties, late eighties. I'd have to oh. really think. Right. Number three is Sweet Child of Mine by Guns N' Roses. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um with the the Wah solo. Yep. And then number two is White Room by Cream. Oh yeah, I figured Eric it'd be Clapton, Clapton related. But yeah, yeah. And I, I kinda that's funny. That song actually gets on my nerves a little bit. Yeah. Because he's just soloing over the whole yeah. song. And you know, that's funny that you mentioned that because actually Terry Katz's guitar playing under the vocals on this kind of distracts me. Yes. Sometimes because he's just like, I'm gonna play a solo underneath yeah. whatever you're doing. Yeah. He's like, I'm gonna help you start the chords, you know, so you can lock in. Yeah, and then get you can sing over it, but I'm gonna play. Yeah, so here I go. I'm it feels like it. one of those things that like the mix engineer should have like pulled that back, fade, fade it back I mean? a little yeah, bit. Pull, I know you're the pull it, just band pull leader. it down while the guy's singing. Exactly, and then, and then you know, and then, it's like they just told him just play through the whole thing, and we'll fix. You yeah. know, we'll, we'll play the parts that oh, we I'm need. So glad you said and then that. they just forgot that, to. I thought that too. That's so good. I'm so glad you said that. That's yeah, um, and so which just brings to mind other sort of classic rock songs with extended guitar solo sections that kind of feel like this. Mm-hmm. There's a there's a couple that immediately that spring to mind to me, uh, like uh, Stairway to Heaven, sure. you know, the end section. It's got even kind of a similar chord structure um, or something like All Along the Watchtower. That would be the Jimi Hendrix version mm-hmm. that kind of the feel like the solo jam section of this at the end. And of course, the ultimate one that kind of feels like this, different chord progression, but the, the ultimate, like if you just ask somebody, what's a song with a really long guitar solo? What would they say? Oh, probably Freebird by yes. Skinner. Yes. Okay. Freebird. Yeah. You know, it's the one that gets yelled out at every Freebird. Play some Skinner. Play some Freebird. Freebird. At every. It doesn't matter who you are. You've if you've played music on stage, probably even like in church, you've had Freebird <laughs> yelled at you at some point. And then there's like, the one guy that's the real Skinner fan. Like I prefer Tuesdays Gone. Yeah. It's like no. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Is Layla kind of like that too? Where the it's not a solo section, but the I don't know the guitar part is sung over. At the end, yeah. And, and, and then. Well, like even the piano part at the end yeah. is kind of the long, mm-hmm. the long and just guitars just go just and go guitars and go galore. And go and go. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so why don't we take you out with this uh, one of the greatest wah solos of all yeah. time by Terry Kath on twenty five or six to four. That's good. That's um, and uh, that's going to wrap it oh, up. Oh wait, wait, one yeah. little Terry oh, yeah. Kath thing. Do it, do it, Before do it. we do that, he's a. Uh, he tweaks in that, and I just thought about this. He was the first guy to ever try to invent something where he didn't use a plectrum or a guitar pick, if you would. He invented this thing with a blender that he was wanted to get where he didn't have to use his right hand to pick, where he could use his right hand for other things what? and like set this thing up. It, it didn't take off or become anything. But yeah, I forgot about that till right now when I was doing deep Terry Cat stuff. He's like, I don't want to have to use my right hand to pick. Like for like strumming, like I can just have something set up automatically that does that, so I can use two hands to play the guitar. And he got this crazy idea with a blender. It never made it, a obviously. Blender though, a bl- the parts from a blender to put together, like on the like on the bottom, like on the bridge, yeah, where it would just sit there and automatically, oh my, like gosh. go back and forth, and so that and he, he just, would just has set like it a tempo time. knob, yeah, like he'd set it with a tempo and like lock it in, and then use two hands to play the guitar. That seems like something like my 
like elementary school age kids would come up with. Sure. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, oh yeah, it's a robo pick and it just spins and spins and yeah. spins. But is it like in, in at that age, it sounds like a totally doable, realistic idea. But once you get above that, it seems like immediately you see how impractical that is sure. and go, oh, that's a, that's stupid idea. I'm going back. I'm going back to bed. Yeah. Like, <laughs> well, he tried. He tried. Well, hey, you know, God bless him. Uh, so yeah, send him out with a riff. Here it is. Terry Kath on the number 22 greatest Wah solo of all time. Thanks for listening so much. Be sure to go to Twitter for some bonus content. Yeah, go uh, check out the video. JP's interview clip with Phil Kage, uh at Great Song Pod. Make sure you follow us there. Follow me at Worship Nerd, JP at PennyTrader10. Check us out everywhere you go. GreatSongPodcast.com, uh, iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean, Spotify. Thank you so much for listening. We really appreciate it. We have a great time bringing these episodes to you. And uh, we appreciate those of you reaching out to us on a weekly basis to tell us how much you enjoy the show. Um, just send us messages. Let us know what you liked about this week's episode, what we can do for you in a future episode, uh, and, uh, you know, who we might like to see on the podcast, either covered or as a guest or, uh, you know, whatever. We'll call, I don't know, maybe we'll call Sylvester Stallone, see if he wants to just, <laughs> you know, talk about why he hates all why these songs that Kid. become great yeah. songs for uh, the Karate Kid franchise. Yeah. So here it is, the guitar solo from 25 or 6 to 4. Until next time, I'm Rob Alley. I am JP Motor. Go listen to some music. Thank you.